morning, brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. How are you this morning? Good. My name is Charles Mitchell. I am a uh, community care elder at Faith Church in Munster, Indiana. I'm also a apprentice pastor, intern pastor at Faith Church Munster, and I am under care of the Kingdom Network. It is so good to be back with you again this morning. I always enjoy coming and visiting with you. The last time I was here, we had a potluck, but I guess I shouldn't have skipped breakfast this morning. No? Amen? Uh, this morning, we're going to be in the book of Exodus, and Exodus is full of a lot of great stories, but this morning, we're going to concentrate a little bit on chapter 15. And before I read the little bit of chapter 15, I want to talk to you about what chapter 15 is. Chapter 15 is a song. There's not many songs in the book of Exodus. Really, this is the only one. There's not many songs in the Old Testament unless you count the book of Psalms. But this is an interesting song because it's marking something profound that has happened, something extremely profound. This morning, the title of the sermon is We Worship a Faithful God, and Faith Church is actually going through a summer series in Exodus. So this is very familiar to myself and to my family, to your worship leader this morning. Um, but I want to talk to you a little bit about what songs are. You don't have to be a musician or an avid musician. You, you can be like myself. My biggest stage when I sing is in my shower. Amen? But you don't have to be an aspiring, you don't have to be on the worship team, you don't have to have much talent in order to appreciate a good song. This world is full of songs that mark a lot of things, songs that you hear it once on the radio and you're humming it all day long. We Will Rock You by the Red Queen. Everyone knows that song. Sports teams across the United States have been using that song since the early 70s and 80s, to, even today, to tell their opponents just exactly how they are going to rock your world. Amen? We have a song uh, by Tim McGraw, My Best Friend. If you were married anywhere between the year 2000 and 2010, likely chances that that song was your first dance with your spouse, including my wife and I. I don't remember a single word of it, but I know that we, say, we dance to that song. Amen? All right? It sticks with you. The Star Spangled Banner, we just got done celebrating Independence Day a few weeks ago. Amen? And we celebrated our freedoms and, and all the things that it took to get us to where we are today. The, spark, the Star Spangled Banner, Francis Scott Key wrote that in 1814. And it's become a national anthem. It reminds us of our victory, our eventual freedom, the liberties that we have today, the, the fact that we're able to sit and worship this morning freely. When we sing that song, we reminisce about those things. And this morning's song is just as important. It was important to God's people. It was important to the Israelites. They sang it because something profound happened. And in verse 1 of chapter 15, Moses sings this. I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. He has thrown the horse and its rider into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Verse 11. Lord, who is like you among the gods? Who is like you, glorious in holiness, revered with praises, performing wonders? Will you pray with me real quick? Father God, we give you thanks. We, pray, we do praise your name, Lord. And as we just got done finishing singing songs to you, we, we pray, Father, that the reflection of our hearts this morning would be turned towards you. We pray, Lord, that the praise that comes from our lips, not just today, Lord, but every day, would be turned towards you, Lord. Remind us this morning, I pray, through the power of your Holy Spirit, why it is we give praise to you. 
why we worship you, and why you're worthy of that praise. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So the Israelites, we have to back up a little bit to find out and understand exactly why they're singing praise to God. In Exodus 6, 7, and 8, this is what God promises Moses. I will take you as my people, and I will be your God. You will know that I am the Lord your God, who brought you out from the forced labor of the Egyptians. I will bring you to the land that I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. This is the great promise that God gave his people. The Israelites, brothers and sisters, were in captivity in Egypt for 430 years before Moses came and Aaron came and they, the ten plagues happened and God eventually set them free. Pharaoh let them go. It didn't happen before these ten debilitating plagues though, right? First, Pharaoh had to be prompted. He had to be talked into this. He, he's, he's not just going to let go of his slaves and his fortune without a fight. But finally, after 430 years, that's a long time to be in captivity, amen? 600 plus. When I say 600 plus, when the Bible gives us numbers, it doesn't just give us, the, it doesn't give us the men and the women and the children and the, the, the oxen and the, the camels and everything else that came with them. 600,000 is just the, the, the able fighting men that were able to leave out of Egypt. So that's 600,000 plus. So really when you add all the women and the children and the elderly men or the younger men that, that couldn't fight yet, you're talking millions of people walking out of Egypt that day. What a glorious day. But it's not so fast, right? Things have to get a little messier before God can bring this, this, this setting free part into motion. You know that in 11 days, in 11 short days, the Israelites could have walked from Egypt to Canaan, the promised land that he gave them. This land flowing with milk and honey. In just 11 short days, God could have done that. But he didn't. He didn't. Something other had to happen first. Exodus 14, the first four verses. Then the Lord spoke to Moses. He said, tell the Israelites to turn back and camp in front of Pithran, between Migdal and the sea. You must camp in front of Baal-Zavan, facing it by the sea. Pharaoh will say to the Israelites, they are wandering around the land in confusion. The wilderness has boxed them in. I will harden Pharaoh's heart so that he will pursue them. Again, God's putting this into motion. Then I will receive glory by means of Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did what God said. God, he could have led them in 11 days, but he said, wait a minute, I have other plans. There's things I have to do, but we, we have that sometimes, right, in our lives. Have you ever felt like God has set you on a, on a God-sized mission? Have you ever felt like God sets up in the motion? He said, all right, I want you to go do this. Be faithful to me. I want you to follow me into the unknown. And I'm going to take care of you and protect you. And you're like, all right, God, I got this. We got this. And you set out on your journey, and all of a sudden, everything goes ham. Everything goes wrong. And you're wondering, God, wait, wait, wait a minute. This was your idea. Why isn't anything working out? You're this great God, but why is nothing going great? Because, brothers and sisters, we have plans, right? And we do that with God. Even though God sets us out on mission, we still sometimes go out with our own plan, amen? We say, all right, God, we're going to go out, we're going to do your work, we're going to go spread the gospel for your name, we're going to go plant churches, we're going to be all godly up in here, but we're going to do it this way, right, God? Because that's the way I would do it if I was God. God, we're going to go. We're, we're going to we're going to go to this town because God clearly that's the that's the town I want to live in, right? 
But you see, God has got plans, capital P, plans, and we have lowercase p plans. In order to trust God's plan, brothers and sisters, what the Israelites learn here, and what we can learn here from this text, is that in order to trust God's plan, we have to, we have to trust his process. We have to protect the process. We have to follow that process. The Israelites freaked out, and we freak out too. Amen? When God sets us on a God-sized plan and things aren't working out, it's really hard to praise God and worship God when nothing seems to be going right. It feels like we're abandoned sometimes. The Israelites did that in verse 10. He said, As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians coming after them once again. The Israelites were terrified, it says, and cried out to the Lord for help. They said to Moses, Is it because there's no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Isn't this what we told you in Egypt? Leave us alone. We told you that, Moses. We don't want your help. You know what? Things are bad in Egypt, but at least they're familiar. And brothers and sisters, sometimes in life, that's where we get stuck. Things aren't well. Things aren't, we are not living into God's very best for us, but at least they're familiar. So we get stuck in that rut, and we think, at least I know how bad today's going to be. It's better than me going off and trusting God or trusting somebody else and not knowing what lies ahead of me. But again, if you want to trust God's plan, if you want to trust God, you have to trust his process. In verse 12, the Israelites, isn't this what we told you, you need to leave us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Brothers and sisters, God doesn't leave us to ourselves. God doesn't call you to be his child and then say, all right, I hope you're strong enough. I hope you're smart enough. Good luck. Call me when you get there. God always protects his children. He always has our very best for us. And he's always going to be glorified. That's God's plan. His process always leads to our very best or what he has for our very best. And it always leads to God being glorified. So brothers and sisters, how can God be glorified if he goes back on his word? How can God be glorified if he doesn't do what he promises to do? It's impossible. So God always does what he says. He always fulfills his promises. And that's why we worship this God. Because he and he alone is worthy of that worship and praise. Imagine if the Israelites had given up and went back to Egypt. Right? Imagine if they had said, in that moment, they're sitting by the sea, on, the, on one side of the Sea of Reeds, the, the, the sea, and right on this side, you got the Egyptians coming at them with everything they've got. Imagine if they said, all right, Moses, we're done with you. God, we gave you a chance. We're going back. Pharaoh, we're sorry. Have mercy on us. Then they never would have experienced and seen the glory and the power of God as they're about to. And I want to, as we read through this story, I want you to understand, and I want you to grasp that, brothers and sisters, you might be literally sitting at the sea right now, getting ready to turn back, to go back to your old life, to that old sin, to that old hang-up, to that old habit. And God's saying, wait, I'm about to do something profound in your life, but you can't give up, you can't turn back before the miracle happens, amen? When God presents us with obstacles, his plans and process, we often turn back. But when we are on our game, when we're on our zone, when we're in his word, when we're with his people, when we're gathering with the church, amen? We can see the obstacles as they come. And we can see them and see them at face value. Like, God, 
I know this, this mountain seems way too big for me to climb, but I know that you're going to climb it with me. God, I know that this seems like it's, nothing's going to go right, and there, I just don't see how this ends up being good for me. But God, I know in your word that you keep your promises and that you're worthy of my praise, you're worthy of my trust. And you pull from your faith bank. But when you're not on your game, when we're isolating, when we're not with God's people, when we're not reading his word, when we're not seeking him, and we're living life on our own, or we're living life, even his plan, we're using our own process, amen? We get lost, and we get discouraged. And like the Israelites, we're like, man, we would have been better off, God, had we never met you. That's where our hearts turn. It reminds me of Faith Church Munster, and Faith, which is the church I belong to, and Faith Church Munster actually started out as Faith Church Hammond. It was a church plant in Hammond, Indiana. And my wife and I, and along with a whole bunch of other very faithful people, went out to Hammond, to this new town, to this new people that we really didn't understand or didn't really know where to start or begin. And we started in a church gym. Everything was awesome. Everyone was pumped up, ready to go. We had a great, like, vibrant pastor. Pastor Andy was part of that church plant. And everything seemed so great. And then it almost seemed... Did I do that, sweetie? Okay. <laughs> and then overnight, it seemed like everything just kind of started falling on itself. Our pastor left. Our worship leader left. People were leaving in droves. We had to switch gyms to a bigger gym that we couldn't fill, so we got kicked out. Then we ended up in a storefront for a while. Brothers and sisters, for two weeks, we met and worshiped in a funeral parlor. I remember being in the funeral parlor. You could smell the funeral parliness of it. You know what I'm talking about. I remember, like, you could just sense it in everybody, like, God, this can't possibly be your plan. We did this for you. We look like idiots. And then he took Trinity Reformed Church in Munster, Indiana, a church that had set out many, many years ago to do God's work, to bring the gospel to a new region, to a new place. And everything was great until it wasn't. But here's what God did. God took Faith Church Hammond, a church that was failing. He took Trinity Reformed, a church that was failing. He brought two completely unlikely groups of people together, put them in a building, introduced new worship songs that nobody understood or, or had ever heard before. And now that church, Faith Church Munster, and we struggled for this first couple, we struggled, but that, that church now, and this is not because of any good leader or pastor or anything. God fills one end of that building to the next every day of the week with ministries. That's a God thing. I think of Hope Church. You guys come to Lowell. You come to do a new thing. You, you, you're excited. And then your pastor leaves. Who would ever want to leave here, by the way? And then you call one person, it doesn't work out. You call another pastor, it doesn't work out. And it's like you get to start thinking, like, Lord, what is going on here? Brothers and sisters, God has a plan, and he has a purpose. And it is always his very best for you and me, and it's always to glorify himself. And as you guys, you're even coming into a meeting today after this service, as I understand it, as you guys start to process through who this next pastor, this next leader is going to be, this is who God has for you. Does that not bring you comfort? Enjoy. Amen. 
And all along, he is seeing you through this. He sees me through this because he's a God who keeps his promises. That's why when obstacles come, that's why when we, we, we hit roadblocks in our lives, we're allowed to say, like James, it's okay because God's up to something in me. God's up to something. He's doing something in my heart. He's conditioning me. And just like he's preparing us to be in that land of Canaan and that forever home, heaven, He's preparing us to receive his very best for us. James 1, 2, and 4. Consider it great joy, brothers and sisters. Not an inconvenience, a joy whenever you experience various trials because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. God is going to make sure that when he is done with you and me, that we lack nothing, that we need nothing, Nothing needs to be added to it. When he's finished with us, it will be perfect. And just like his plans are perfect, because we serve a perfect God, amen? His process is perfect. It just doesn't always feel that way. And sometimes it's because it's not ours. God delivered the Israelites the way he did because he wanted to teach them and us something about himself. He wanted to teach us something about ourselves. And there was a whole bunch of Egypt in those Israelites when they left. Just like there's a whole bunch of world in me and you. And God's got a plan and a process to weed that out in us because he loves us. Amen? That's why we sing. We sing because we're delivered. That's why we hear uh, verse 2, chapter 15, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation because without him we are slaves in Egypt. That's why we sing he's our salvation. If only we could see God hold back that sea. Amen? If only we and you could put ourselves in their shoes, or they wore sandals back then, I think. So imagine if you were in their sandals, and you're at that sea, and the Egyptians are coming at you. Or imagine you're in the sea that looks impossible to cross, and you don't have Egyptians coming at you, but you've got financial problems coming at you. You've got relational problems coming at you. Or your marriage is a mess. Or you've got an addiction that you just can't shake. And it looks like there's nowhere to go. Then God parts that sea for you, and you walk through on dry ground. And when you're finally safely across, you're walking through that sea on both sides. You've got, you've got sea life swimming all around you. You've got, you've got all kinds of crazy stuff going on. And the entire time you're trembling like, oh, my God, what is happening? This can't be real. And the doubt starts to set in, and you think, God, if you knew me, you would crash that sea down on me. Brothers and sisters, I got news for you. He does know you. And despite you, he loves you and he saves you. And he keeps that sea parted. Despite me and you, we cross on safe ground. Despite ourselves, we land on dry ground, safely across, and we watch all of our enemies get swallowed up. Is that not a picture of salvation or what? But I'd suggest an even more stunning picture, if you'll allow me to. A man lodged between two beams, carrying the ugliness of our sins and facing the wretchedness of our hell. That's what Jesus did for us. When God parted the sea for us, he drove the nails into Jesus' hands. Jesus, he was not weak, but he became weak for us. He was sinless, but he became sin for us, Isaiah says. He took our place on the cross. So that's why we sing, the Lord is my strength and my song. This is my God, and I will praise him. 
because he's become our strength and our savior. We sing, who was like you, glorious in holiness, revered with praises and performing wonders. Because Yahweh, the great I am, has done what no other God or earthly God could do. What no pleasure in this world can do, what no amount of money can do, what no house can do, what no political party can do. It doesn't matter what school you go to, what town you live in, what color you are. The only thing that's going to get us through that sea is Jesus. And he's done that. And if you believe in Jesus, that he is your Lord and Savior, brothers and sisters, you're not in the sea, you're on dry ground. So we sing glory be to God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But what does that mean for us today, right? You might be at that sea right now, and maybe this is very real for you, and you're like, Charles, you have no idea what I walked in here with this morning, and I don't. But like you, I have problems, I have storms, I have waves, I have mountains that need to be climbed in my life. Just recently, I was talking with my wife about this a couple days ago, and I, I said to her, I said, we've got car problems, we've got our garage burnt down, I've got this going on, I've got teenagers now, they're driving, it's freaking me out. I just don't see the path right now, Bree. I don't see the path. I don't get his process. We set out to live for Jesus. We set out to raise our kids in the gospel, the Bible, teach them all the Christian language. And it just doesn't seem like it's working it sometimes. And I, I don't understand why. But then I remember back. You see, and this is where we have to go back, brothers. This is, this is another reason we worship is to remember. That's why the Israelites sang this song. And that's why they would continue to sing this song over and over and over again. That's why God put it in his holy word. So that we would not only remember what he did for the Israelites when we're in the storm but also so that he could trigger our memories back to the storms that he's already calmed in our lives. That's when you go back to your, your spiritual Pandora, or my kids tell me Pandora's for old people. So Spotify, if that works for you, okay? Or whatever streaming service you use, Apple Music. But you can go back to your Pandora or your Spotify spiritual banks, and you pull up songs. Like remember when songs, remember when God was faithful during that storm? Remember when he delivered me from that trial? He healed me from that disease. He brought me peace and joy in that season of life when there was, it just didn't make any sense that there could ever be any peace or joy found. And you can, saw, you can download some of those He Will songs. He will be faithful as he parts his, as, as he is in the past. He will keep his promises to me. He hasn't broken one yet. Amen? Well, we're Americans, so you can, Americans love I Can songs, right? We love I Can songs. So I can trust him. I love that song. Or I can rest in him because, like the psalm is saying, God is our refuge and strength and helper who was always found in time of trouble. How's that for a song? If this isn't your song today, the Lord invites you to sing. But in order for us to sing this song, brothers and sisters, in order for this to be in our hearts, we need to get out some other songs. The songs that Say, Lord, I don't trust you because I'm so focused on the obstacle in front of me, I can't see anything else. Well, Lord, I'm looking out at this world and these people, they don't live for you and they seem to be doing great. Why should I follow you? 
Why should I follow you out of Egypt? Yeah, it's bad, but it's familiar. Those are the songs that you have to get out of the way. That's what I have to do when my life's not going well. When I crash, we crash a car, or we have repairs at our home, or we're having relational issues in our marriage, and the children don't seem to like us anymore, and everything's going wrong. I remember back when my son was three and he was burned in a fire, and God completely healed him. And now he's taller than me, stronger than me, good-looking boy. You're all good-looking. I remember in 2013 when I literally dropped dead of a brain aneurysm in my kitchen. Couldn't work for an entire summer. Literally thought, in a, sitting in a hospital bed, like, Lord, this cannot be your best for me. There's just no way. How can, you, how can I sing good, good father? There's just nothing good about this. But he healed me. He restored me. He supported us. He fed us. He sheltered us. You know how he did it, brothers and sisters? Through his church. That's why we sing. That's why we give praise. There's no one else like him. I want to encourage you this morning as I close. Whatever it is you're going through, whatever sea you're going through, and you might be thinking, it's like, Charles, I, he isn't part of the seas. I'm in the sea, and I'm drowning. My heart breaks for you. But remember, God can't glorify. He can't be glorified if he breaks his promises. He can't be glorified if he throws you away. The only way God can be fully glorified, the way he chooses to be glorified, is by keeping his promises. And when God says, when God says he's going to set his people free, that's me and you, you can rest assured that he is setting you free right now. But you've got to trust the process to trust the plan. I want to encourage you, whatever it is you're going through as we close in prayer, take five seconds of silence before I, before I start praying. Let's make it 10 seconds. And talk to the Lord. Spend that silence and just, if, if he's delivered you from a storm, brothers and sisters, take that 10 seconds and give him thanks. So often we get to the other side and we never give thanks. Give him some praise. Give him some worship. Maybe you're in that storm right now. Maybe, like I said earlier, you're drowning. You feel like you're drowning. Say, bring that to God. He wants us to bring that to him. He's not going to be offended. Lord, I feel like I'm drowning right now. Where are you? You let me know you're there. Or maybe you don't know the Lord at all. Maybe this morning the gospel is foreign to you. Maybe this, this talk of salvation and being set free is something that you've never considered before. I invite you this morning. In that silence, Lord, come into my heart. Come into my life. Lord, I'm, I'm a slave to my sin, to my hurts, to my habits, to my hang-ups. I'm a slave to this, this issue in my life. Bring that to him this morning. Lord, will you set me free from that? Amen? Friends, let's start now. Lord Jesus, we do give you thanks, and we do give, center our praise around you, Lord, because you and you alone are worthy of that praise. And Lord, even as the worship team comes back up soon, 
We pray, Father, that the joy that we have, the hope that we have, the words that we sing, the words that, the, the songs we sing in our own hearts, Lord, on a daily basis, that they would be a sweet perfume to you, that they would be directed at you and you alone, that we would sing as a church and as a people that you are our God, you are our rock, you are our salvation. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.